You're listening to Get Woke Wellington, brought to you by the National Council of Women's Wellington Branch. Ko Prudence Tokuengwa. Ko Harita Tokuengwa. Ko Lily Tokuengwa. Ko Aisha Tokuengwa. We're NCW branch members and your Get Woke Wellington hosts. This show allows the National Council of Women to support and inform what us Welly women want in our communities. We also want to raise awareness about the National Council of Women's activities and encourage your membership. You can visit our website or follow us on Facebook and Instagram to find out more. So I'm psyched to have with me in the station Suzanne Tamaki, aka Native Sister, if you look it up, spell sister with an A. Suzanne is the Acting City Events Manager for Wellington City Council and an artist in her own right, a founding member of Pacific Sisters, which is a collective of Pacific and Maori artists, performers, fashion designers, jewellers and musicians. So just the perfect wahine to talk us through culture in the capital and how we can explore some of it over our late summer. Tēnākwe, Suzanne. Thank you so much for coming. Would you like to pepe hard to our listeners? Kia ora. Ko Suzanne Tamaki tuku ingoa, ko matatua te waka, ko pōhatu te manga, ko ohini mataroa te awa, ko te rewerewa te marae, ko tūhui te iwi, ko tainui te waka, ko kākipuku te manga, ko waipa te awa, ko te kōpua te marae, ko mana e poto te iwi. Kia ora. Kia ora, tēnā koe. Firstly, you will have just wrapped up the city's big Waitangi Day events. Well done you for your part in making this happen. How important is it that local government invests in celebrations of cultural diversity, beginning with our colonial heritage and founding engagement between the Crown and Tangata Whenua? Uh, for me, it's super important. I really think that all government agencies and businesses in general need to acknowledge and celebrate Māori and cultural diversity. They need to acknowledge Māori as Tangata Whenua, as the Indigenous people of Aotearoa, and embrace the culture and its language and make it normal uh, rather than tokenistic. And we can embrace culture and knowledge on lots of levels. For example, Wellington City Council wants Wellington to be the Te Reo Māori capital city by 2040. And Te Reo Māori awesome. is a tonga. Yeah, Te Reo Māori is a tonga. We need to protect, nurture and grow it. So under the Te Tauihu um, strategy, they want to address place names and claim back their Māori names as well as naming new areas. So I think that's a really great way forward. Amazing. Yeah. So everyone's there, everyone there at Wellington City Council is on the same page or or, or has it been political to get it to this stage? <laughs> it's political. There's still some people that uh, don't particularly agree with it, uh, but because it's been put in place as strategy, it's something that we have to work towards. Mm. And how do you make a difference as a wahine to a Wahine Tour, with so much of your own experience in the arts, what kind of cultural stamp have you made on the cultural landscape of Wellington City? Um, probably for me, if I was talking about the Te Tauihi strategy, not that I did it because of that, one of the things that I loved was for Christmas, which wasn't too long ago, um, all the signs around Wellington said, Merikirihi Miti Pōniki, so they were all in Te Reo, uh, and they didn't have English translation because it's pretty obvious what we're saying there so just for me I felt like that was a real win being able to get more visibility for Te Reo on flags and windows um, on our website 
and have that pride in it as well. Mm. And also for me as well, probably most visibly externally is that I've been able to grow the Matariki Festival. Right. So, so my time working at Papa to my time working at council. I was at Papa for eight years. I've been at council for eight years. So it's been 16 years watching it grow. And in that time, it's been amazing to see the collaborations across organisations, galleries and museums to create a regional programme. And you can see Matariki's picking up momentum. Mm. This year, it's a public holiday. And then uh, within council, as Wahini Tour, being able to uh, make a mark, I've been able to work with council assets and venues to promote Māori arts uh, during Matariki. So the light boxes on Fortney Place, um, hopefully people um, see those, which are incredible. And the Toy Pornaki Art Gallery are dedicated to yearly programming of artists for Matariki. And then I work with the art team to shoulder tap a Māori artist every year to create a mural and also do flags for Frank Pitts Park. So I'd really like to see more businesses or more galleries and museums also celebrate the importance of Matariki and Waitangi Day actually and make those specifically targeting Māori artists uh, within the, those spaces and giving them more prominence. I, I heard in, a, a bit in your pepiha and I've looked you up on Wikipedia. I know you whakapapa to Te Arawa, Ngāti Maniapoto and Tūhoi. And I want to come back to Waitangi Day because those are some iwi with some very different standpoints to Waitangi Day. So how do you sort of navigate that as as some as someone um, whakapaing to to such different ancestors and and relationships with with this treaty? Well, um, as Māori, we work in colonised spaces. So just being Māori comes with extra responsibilities and expectations. And because we live in urban environments and it's the 21st century, I think we can use, well, I don't think, I know, we use tools and technology to tell our stories. Because being Māori gives us an inherited connection to the elements, for example, Pukutunuku and Anginui, which helps us stay grounded and connected to Aotearoa. So our place in history allows us to look at the past to move into the future, kamua, kamuri. And we can lead with a Māori lens. And for me, if I don't know how that would look exactly, I've got advisors that can support and also lead. So we're lucky to have a dedicated Māori team at Mahi, and they deal with strategy and council policy. And that's not something that I do. I deal with events and art. So it's great to have that sort of um, rainy stuff happening in the background. But I've also noticed that Māori that work in these spaces and government spaces and offices tend to gravitate towards each other and help each other, even though we're in different teams. And I've made friends with a number of wahine that have moved on to bigger and better jobs, but we still um, catch up monthly and get together to celebrate our wins and also moan about our losses <laughs> in that space. Oh, that's interesting. Because it's important cultural events feel authentic for those in the cultural community that's um, that's celebrating their day. But I imagine it takes a lot of effort behind the scenes to ensure that authenticity, especially because you're thinking of the larger group and, make, and, and turning the event into something that all of Wellington's community can enjoy and consume and learn from. So... Um, 
yeah, the, maintaining that authenticity. Have you got? Can you talk about that and how you how you manage that? Yeah, well, you have to engage with Māori on the ground on lots of levels. Um, like I said, with and also my connections I have across lots of different levels and making solid connections with Manukuta, attending and supporting them at their hui and events. And they came come to lots of our events as well. So I'm really blessed because I get to meet them and um, and actually like them authentically as people, which makes a difference too when you can get on. Yeah. Uh, as well as, yeah, so I think you have to attend lots of Māori festivals and gigs, keep in touch with what's going on, go up and say hi to those people. I'm also, um, I'm, I'm the treasurer for Te Manawa Ora Ki Te Tara, which is the Wellington branch for the New Zealand Māori Council. And I'm the Wellington Māori Wardens Area Liaison Officer, which puts me in touch with a whole different community. And those are both voluntary roles. So that's what I do outside of my work life. Fantastic. Yeah, and I also do um, a lot of karaoke, and that's how you get to meet loads of Māori. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful. <laughs> what? Because because we went into um, a big Omicron cluster scare over the over late January. So what kind of hurdles and challenges were there to putting on an event of this scale? Well. Firstly, I was preparing Waitangi Day in front of Film Night for COVID. COVID changed everything. I had to put in fencing, checking people's vaccine passes, every person backstage, which includes performers, crews, the food trucks, the production companies, um, had to have vaccine passes. And it's a whole other level of work. And so that, you know, apart from that, it's not really a challenge. It's a lot of work, but it's super exciting and magic to build something from nothing. And on the day, you have this incredible experience, which is pretty much a big party without alcohol. Um, but next minute, we went into level red, so I couldn't even do a gathering. Uh, and, and it's like, well, you have to be um, really resilient. And so what we did is I contacted the bands and the performers and asked them if they'd mind if we filmed them. So thank you to Papa for giving me Sounding Theatre. Um, and we pre-recorded, we did it in there, and we just did a, a broadcast on Waitangi Days to still acknowledge the day. And then Fano Film Nights, I was working with Wairoa Film Festival, who put together a short film programme of Māori and Indigenous animation. And so we just showed that on the Friday night at the same time that we would have done the film screening. So it's about being able to pivot, be resilient, um, have a another plan up your sleeve, have good people around you. And as you can see, more pe- more and more people are turning towards social media and online to share the content. Mm. Well, we've got Cuba Duper and the infamous Fringe Festival. It's um, Aotearoa's largest open access arts festival for cutting edge events. So I, I was going to ask you what makes it cutting edge, but I guess, you know, are, are you going to be able to keep it cutting edge? If yes. So just to talk about the Fringe Festival and you ask what makes it cutting edge, I think you need to look at the lineup um, and the catalogue, and it's an absolute bevy of new emerging artists. Wellington is a catalyst for creative thinkers and doers. People in Wellington are generous with their time, their knowledge, they're prepared to think out of the box to make things happen. They call the Fringe the birthplace of brilliance. And as long as I've lived in Wellington, I've been involved in Fringe as an artist. 
and as a supporter. And I've watched some brilliant people emerge. I think it's an opportunity to experiment and put yourself on the line. So this year um, for Fringe, I've actually got, um, I've got a show in there. Like I don't need to do Fringe anymore. I've made it. I'm famous. <laughs> <laughs> but I was actually approached by the um, director, Vanessa Stacey, and asked if I'd do a Kornicky Savage Club event which of course um i had to say yes to her i can't say no cool. um so we're really excited that we did that and then you've got the award-winning hugo girls and it's hugo girls last wellington show the shit show she's he is moving to auckland and then on the 18th of feb there's the opening weekend for the faf club and io is also an amazing dance show happening at bat theater and gag reflex which i had to alha so i'm just giving you some highlights um from the program but I really encourage people to go and pick up a program because they're all over town and they're filled with awesomeness. Yeah and like you say it's one of those essences of Wellington that really makes uh, um, the Fringe Festival such a hometown event so if listeners haven't gone to a Fringe Festival by now I hope you're inspired by Suzanne's words today. So what's the cultural event on Wellington's calendar that's most dear to your heart and why? Um, for me I think I, I love Matariki. Uh, I was absolutely thrilled to hear that the government's announced Matariki's going to be a public holiday and one of the um, events that I did and it actually started at Te Papa was the Seven Sisters and Seven Brothers and it was showcasing established and emerging Māori musicians and performers. It was great to be able to give them a platform uh, where they could showcase themselves like I just because I've heard of them doesn't mean that everyone's heard of them and just to see them blossom and um, watch their careers uh, just grow as being that to me is really exciting I love to discover the new and give them a chance to become the best that they can be uh, so that one's one of my favorites and also Waitangi Day I love um, the crowds that come being able to have large screens and show visual art and historical footage which I've been working with in our Tonga films this is when I talk about those relationships with other agencies so that you can get access to content uh, being able to live stream Waitangi Day so that was last year and share it with a wider audience and just the pure pure joy and the mana of being Māori and being proud to be Māori and seeing it on the faces of all those people that are there in the crowd. Neat that's that's cool to hear um, now some listeners might still not know why Matariki is worth celebrating, Suzanne. So can you help listeners understand what this occasion is and why it's worth celebrating for Māori? Okay, so um, Matariki signals the Māori New Year. It's a time of renewal and celebration in New Zealand. That begins with the rising of the Matariki Star Cluster. It's um, in Taranaki, they have, uh, they have Puanga that comes up first, so they have a different star, but it's around the same time that we're doing this. And for us, it's a time to come together, to wānanga, to share knowledge, and also to remember those that have passed. Ah, that's great. And so um, you, you've had a past event um, that you're really proud about for Matariki, but what's on the cards for this 
national holiday this year in Wellington? Oh, gee, it's going to be massive, I think. We better do something big, but it also depends what level we're at. If we're at red or to orange or... Oh, yeah. You know, what colour are we going to be? So, but in my dream world, um, we'll have fireworks on the Friday, which is the public holiday. I've engaged artists, Māori artists and designers, so we're having huge projections and installations around the waterfront on Tapapa. We've got floating bonfires and braziers. We'll have a performance stage in Civic Square, and we're supporting Massey to showcase the Mana Moana projections, which happen in Whairepo Lagoon. So it's going to be a real... There's going to be a big artistic lean towards it, uh, which will be really exciting because if we do go down in levels, people will still be able to uh, walk through the, and have an experience uh, of Matariki as opposed to thinking it's an event, it's going to be something that's more immersive for the viewer. Awesome. awesome. Immersive. That sounds great. Oh, well, so look, for all the art lovers and cultural Culture lovers of Wellington, um, I hope we've got you excited. And thank you so much, Suzanne, for coming today to get us all excited. And um, yeah, good luck. I hope that I hope that COVID nineteen you get you get it under you in your stride, and you can handle it with this Plan B and upwards exercise going forward. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that and thank you thank so you. much for coming on our show. No problem at all. Thanks for interviewing me. Have a great week.